0: The following message and support for AHLA is provided by Berkeley Research Group, a global consulting firm that helps organizations advance in the areas of disputes and investigations, corporate finance, and strategy and operations. BRG helps clients stay ahead of what's next. For more information, visit thinkbrg.com. Welcome to the American Health Law Association's Fraud and Abuse Podcast. I'm Matt Wetzel, chair of the AHLA's Fraud and Abuse Practice Group. Today, we're talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning. How can innovative technological tools help in the fight against healthcare fraud and corruption? With me today are Craig Freeman and Jerry Lewandowski of BRG, who are experts in the field. Craig, Jerry, welcome.
1: Hi, Matt, good to be here. Yeah, thanks, Matt, good to be here.
0: Great to have you here today, guys, and and we're really excited about the conversation. So, you know, let's jump right in. Tell us about your practice at BRG and how you got into the field of artificial intelligence and machine learning.
1: Well, I'll I'll go first, this is Craig. Uh, I am uh, the practice lead for our artificial intelligence and machine learning practice. Uh, We had uh, founded a company about four years ago that was purchased by BRG uh, in this uh, past year. And the whole goal was to bring more advanced technology tools to some of the traditional problems uh, including fraud and including compliance.
2: And, and this is Jerry. I'm one of the leaders of our healthcare practice at BRG. And we've long had a practice that is uh, heavy on data analytics in the healthcare space. And given the evolution of um, some of the analytical techniques and what Craig's team can do, there's such a natural fit for what a lot of our healthcare clients need from a fraud and abuse standpoint, from a, um, from a compliance standpoint that we tend to work together quite a bit.
0: That's great. And, and, and uh, during our prep call for this episode, I just want to let our listeners know we dug into some technical topics uh, and some really important uh, areas for compliance and for legal issues in the healthcare space, whether you're in medical technology or or whether you're in uh, the provider area. But, uh, you know, Craig, uh, Jerry, I think maybe the best place to start is to level set a little bit. What is artificial intelligence? What's machine learning? Uh, you talked about um, supervised and unsupervised machine learning during our prep today, as well as collective intelligence. What are these concepts and what do, we, what do our listeners, uh, the, uh, the AHLA uh, Fraud and Abuse Practice Group uh, members, what do we need to know about these topics?
1: Well, I don't think anyone's gonna become a data scientist uh, on a half hour podcast today, <laughs> but <there laughs> were a, you, you listed some key concepts that it's really hard to get into the weeds on this stuff without understanding those concepts. Um, first off, artificial intelligence, I'm not sure it is anything um we we use a slide deck sometimes it shows you know 20 different components of uh, artificial intelligence whether that's machine learning whether that's natural language processing and whether that's robotics and so what you have to do is you have to figure out within ai what uh, area do you want to work in and what we do primarily is work in machine learning which is where you give the the the, the computer system some level of data and then it can go and improve itself. And usually that's an iterative process that you run again and again and again. And again. Uh, supervised versus unsupervised learning are um, are really important concepts. Supervised is where uh, you take a training set and some lawyer, some analyst goes through the training set and labels uh, the transactions or the documents as, as something. Um, uh, whatever that is, uh, and then um, and then the system looks at those uh, transactions and then creates a model to emulate that and goes forward. Unsupervised, you don't have that train set. The, uh, the 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 main area in unsupervised learning that we try to focus on is called anomaly detection, which is that you build algorithms that go through the data and try to find transactions that aren't the same as the other transactions, anomalous in some sort of way. Uh, it, and it could be a fraudulent transaction, it could be a, a false hit, but you go through um, uh, the, the uh, unsupervised without any training set of original material. And then lastly, uh, the, the, the idea of collective intelligence is the idea that the system is gonna be better if you have both data science expertise along with subject matter expertise and use both groups of people in the appropriate way. And you get a much better result than just using data scientists or just using domain experts. Jerry, do you have anything you wanted to add to that?
2: No, I mean, the only thing I would echo is the collective intelligence piece that, that we've really found that even when you're an expert in healthcare and even an expert in healthcare data, there are, analytical techniques that are different with machine learning, where you can actually uncover things that we haven't been able to do historically with um, more traditional techniques. So marrying the
0: data scientist with the subject matter expertise is, is really valuable.
2: I think you're hitting
0: on a really um, critical topic. And, and you know how do, how do you respond to somebody who says, well, isn't this just, isn't machine learning just a computer doing the same keyword search that I would do uh, as a lawyer or as a compliance professional uh, when, when faced with a particular uh, fraud and abuse issue?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's not keyword searching at all. Uh, it, it's using various algorithms and you can test the algorithms to find out which one works best to, uh, to classify the inf- information. Uh, and it, it, it learns and improves um, uh, over, over time. And so one of the things uh, that, Matt, I think we talked about earlier was uh, the idea that uh, AI and uh, machine learning in particular do a really good job at identifying privileged documents without doing keyword searches. Um, the the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, misunderstanding by many lawyers is that uh, everyone thinks that they write uniquely. And, and the fact of the matter is is that lawyers write like lawyers. Uh, They use a different number of syllables uh, in their words. They use different length of sentences. They use footnotes, they use Latin. Um, And uh, a machine learning algorithm can go through and find the privileged documents without doing an exhaustive search uh, doing the keyword searches. And one of the examples that I I think that that we uh, talked about uh, was uh, a client of ours had uh, done a privileged review on a set of documents, and they looked at 2.4 million documents. And uh, the company came to us and said, is there a better way to do this? And we showed them how to do this uh, machine learning iterative approach. And the next review, they only had to look at 40,000 documents. So the cost savings, the time savings uh, were dramatic.
0: That's tremendous. That's tremendous. And, and, and it's an important tool in uh, a lot of uh, the, the legal and compliance work that we're currently doing, how are you applying these tools and techniques to healthcare compliance in particular?
1: I, I think the, the best way to look at that is through, uh, and I'm sure Jerry will have something to say on this, but it is through, we, we think there's been sort of three phases of, of being able to do effective compliance programs. The The, the first phase was mainly Uh, whistleblowers and people saying that there's been uh, a problem here and then lawyers would go look at it. The second phase was searches where you're searching lots of documents and lots of information trying to find problematic transactions uh, which which was a a huge improvement over the first phase but but the problem with searching is you can only search what you know for, know exists. Um, And so the third phase now is using advanced predictive analytics to look for things that are anomalous that maybe haven't been identified before. If there's a new scheme that hasn't been seen before, that's where predictive analytics can, can find things as well as doing things uh, uh, less expensively and, and faster. Yeah, and, and maybe to, to add to that just a little bit that from a
2: burden standpoint too, if if you're trying to execute an auditing and, auditing and monitoring program and looking at transactions, looking at documents, and using search, the ability to differentiate what's coming back from your search is limited. You come up with 10,000 hits on your search terms, and now you're going to sample those 10,000 documents. You're going to plow through and look at all 10,000 of those documents. One of the things you can do with machine learning really effectively is a more structured form of risk ranking what's coming back from the from the program so you can actually say let's look at these higher target areas first let's let's prioritize these documents over the less valuable documents on the list
1: one of the fundamental approaches in, in this is is to rank from most anomalous to least anomalous and and the theory being that you can get to the most important stuff early and that eventually at some point you, 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 you run out of problematic transactions. And that's how the, the, uh, the corporation was able to look at 40,000 documents instead of 2.3 million because they ran out of uh, high-risk documents or high-risk transactions to look
0: at. What I'm hearing is that this represents the next evolution then in compliance program effectiveness. We talked about uh, you know, the third generation, the whistleblower, um, response being the first uh, uh, sort of innovation or phase, the second being that proactive search, and now it's a pre- it sounds like it's preventative technology or preventative work um, that uh, data analytics can allow. Would you would that Would you agree with that?
1: I I, I think that's exactly right. The the, the, the techniques and machine learning that are available right now are a are, are dramatic change from from the prior techniques. And uh, I think Matt you and I had talked about earlier that, that I had seen a, uh, um, seen an uh, interview with a judge who said that he thought that uh, um, keyword searching on its own uh, is, is close to legal malpractice, because people understand it so they do it, but it's so less effective than using, using more advanced techniques. I, I, you know I, I think the world's changing, and, and people are figuring this out.
0: Absolutely, that's that's interesting insight, and um, you know the reliance on keyword searches is just such a common practice uh, for lawyers and for others in the industry. Um, how are you incorporating this into your representations, your BRG's representations of, of medical technology clients?
2: Again, in the, in the world of auditing and monitoring, in the world of looking for. Um, fraud and abuse, it, it really is a matter of building the, the machine learning algorithms to identify those rather than relying purely on search. And that one of the advantages there when you think of your compliance program and the types of approaches you're using is could it help you um, substantiate that you, the effectiveness of your program? Could it help you substantiate that you 're looking for the evolving nature of transactions within your business as opposed to as Craig mentioned earlier with search you 're looking for the known activity you 're looking for the patterns that you 've already identified that, that they exist um, and that what ml really allows you to do is to look in a uh, less blinded way it, it allows it opens up um, the view to new patterns, new types of transactions, new types of interactions that you might not be looking for. And you're going to lay eyes on those sooner and try to understand them, which again, as Craig said before, it doesn't necessarily mean they're all bad. Maybe through using your subject matter experts and the collective intelligence, you'll end up saying, well, we now understand these because of the evolution of the business, but you've identified them and now you get them incorporated into the modeling. Um, Whereas previously you might not have even known they exist. And if they are something that is potentially problematic, you're, you're going to be looking at it sooner.
0: And how, how, how are your clients reacting to not only, you know, the findings, which I think is, that's such a huge issue. You know, the, 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 the more detailed, more nuanced findings that you're able to deliver, but how are they reacting also to just the, you know, the incorporation of this type of technology into, you know, perhaps a, you know, a a more traditional audit engagement or a more traditional you know, compliance program review engagement. What's the reaction and and, and how do you respond to those reactions?
1: You know, I I find the reaction from corporate legal departments to be very accepting. Um, And I I think there's many reasons for that. I I, I think the benefits of this approach uh, accrue to the corporation, you know, less money, uh, faster times. Uh, And frankly, most sophisticated companies out there are using ML somewhere in their organization already um, and so it, it, it's not quite as scary to them uh, but the other thing we do from from an approach is not ask anyone to just blindly trust that this is going to work and that this is better so we do a lot of proofs of concept uh, where we'll go in and, and take a limited problem uh, and and demonstrate how the technology works and and what does and doesn't uh, and I think that uh, the usual response from our clients are that uh sort of incredulous that 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 we can get
0: the results that we get that's interesting and and and, and what sort of data would you show them to you know to kind of get them past that incredulity
1: well, I think if you, if, if you look at compliance transactions and, and you could say uh, doing it the normal way in search, here, here are, as Jerry said, here, here are 10,000 transactions we're gonna go through and uh, um, see what we find as opposed to a risk ranked uh, list of the transactions. So he, he, here are 50 transactions and they're in order from most problematic to least problematic. Uh, now imagine if we did this on, at, at scale uh, the, the amount of transactions that could be looked at, that could be dealt with, that could be identified very early in a process. Um, um, I, 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 I think that's that's sort of the ticket, and it's not really hard to demonstrate. You can put most of this information into, um, into spreadsheets. We, we have an analytics dashboard we use so that people can look at it and uh, uh, understand it basically in real, real time. Uh, we've got an anomaly detection uh program that uh, allows you allows an end user to try out different algorithms um, to see what kind of results come back under each algorithm
0: so you've talked about the ability of AI and machine learning to uh, predict to prevent to respond uh, you've talked about cost savings. You've talked about speed and efficiency. You've talked about the substantial, the substantiating the effectiveness of a compliance program, uh, the evolution of tools uh, uh, that the compliance officer can use. Well, my question as a compliance officer is with the growth of artificial intelligence and machine learning in this space, um, will I have a job in a few years?
1: Well, I can't guarantee you anything, Matt. Um, (laughs) But uh, our viewpoint is that um, jobs are going to change. I I did a litigation a few years ago where we had 800 contract lawyers looking at documents all at the same time. Uh, That type of road, uh, high volume stuff is going to change. But, uh, but I think it's going to open up more opportunities to do more interesting work. I think the, the example that I use a lot is in the early 80s, uh, spreadsheets were just coming into, uh, into the public domain. And uh, unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember this. There, there was quite a panic going, what would this do to the accounting industry? Are all the accountants going to be out of work? Um, and the fact of the matter is, today, there's three times as many accountants as there were in the early 80s. And it's because we can do so much, wow. you know, nobody was thinking about forensic accounting. Nobody was thinking about different types of data modeling that are, that are done now. They were just trying to get the payroll out. Um, and so it, 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 it changed jobs, uh, but it, it, it opened up more jobs than it eliminated. And I think the same thing is going to happen here.
0: Well, that's, that's, uh, that's certainly um, a, a, you know, a, a satisfying response from my, my angle. And uh, you know as a compliance officer in the medical technology industry, obviously, we deal with artificial intelligence, machine learning, et cetera, in terms of the technology that we produce. Uh, and so this conversation today about how to use those similar uh, technological tools to actually do our jobs and to do them better. Uh, is uh, really fascinating and, and, and exciting uh, for the profession. So really appreciate that. Craig, Jerry, any other final thoughts for our listeners today? I think
1: one thing that that, that we feel very strongly about here at BRG is that, um, that products are the wrong way to go in terms of machine learning. We, we, we think that you get a better result by having data scientists looking at the problem with the client's data and and building a solution that way, rather than buying a product and trying to slip it in. And if you think about it, when a company makes a product, um, let's say they have 250 use cases. They try to find an algorithm and approach that's gonna match as well as it can to all 250. And so what what that means is you're coming up with sort of a median solution by definition. And if you want an optimal solution, you, you, you've got to have people thinking about how do I combine different algorithms together? How do I, you know, there's hundreds of settings for every algorithm. How do I test all these things and how do I get an optimum solution? And we feel pretty strongly that, uh, I know this is a little pithy, but, but that you can't separate uh, data science from the data scientists.
0: You need to have both. Well, thank you very much. Craig Freeman and Jerry Lewandowski of BRG, we really appreciate your time today and your insight. Uh, and for our AHLA listeners, please stay tuned for more information on further opportunities uh, in the near term to discuss artificial intelligence and machine learning with Craig and Jerry. Much more to come here. Thanks so much, everyone, and have a great day. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks, Matt.